0: Hi everybody, Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Welcome to another edition of Prophecy Today Weekend. I'm going to ask you for 90 minutes. If you'll give me that 90 minutes, I'll give you six of my broadcast partners who can go into the details behind the current events happening in our world and help you to understand exactly what is going on as the Lord is using the political leaders of this world to set the prophetic scenario in place that he gave to the ancient Jewish prophets. We're so thrilled to have you along. And by the way, today is Halloween. That means once in a blue moon, there will be a blue moon. I'll explain that when I talk with astronomer-scientist Don DeYoung, We're going to be talking about that, but then we'll talk about Halloween. David James is going to give us the pluses and the minuses, and what God's Word has to say about this particular Holy Day. And then I'm going to bring Sam Rohr to the broadcast table. He's the president of the American Pastors Network, and we talked about prayer. He held a 52-week prayer time each and every Tuesday, This last Tuesday, I was able to join with 17 other Christian leaders who spent a short time in prayer praying for the presidential election and what is going to be, maybe, as Sam introduced it, as one of the most important elections in the history of the United States. Well, but with that statement, let me bring to the broadcast table the man who covers geopolitical activities for us, I'm talking about Ken Timmerman. Now, normally we catch him someplace. Today it's Hilton Head, South Carolina. And the reason we have Ken there, not for us, but this young man is going down to visit with his 103 year old mother. How is she doing, Ken? We talk often about her. How is she doing?
1: Well, Jimmy, remarkably well. She, uh, you know, she can't see much, she can't hear too much, but boy, she's still sharp as a tack.
0: They used to say a guy is a chip off the old block, his father, but I'm sure if that being the case, is she's still that sharp, you are a chip off of that wonderful dear lady. Give our love to her and uh, let her know that we think about her, pray for her often. But let me go with that question that uh, Sam talked about these upcoming presidential elections. Let me begin our conversation with that, if you will, Ken. Do you believe that is the case? These are very important elections upcoming?
1: Uh, I do, Jimmy, and I think really this is the future direction of our country, and it could never have been more stark. Do we want to become a socialist nation where uh, where our rights come from government and not from God? That would be Joe Biden. Or do we want to maintain our freedoms and our constitutional republic, that would be Donald Trump. Uh, as we were driving up from Florida to, to South Carolina through Georgia, I saw a great billboard that says, only God and Donald Trump can save our country. <laughs> so you know, God saves us spiritually, and Donald Trump is going to save us politically. I think that is really what this is all about, and that's not even a partisan statement. It's a statement about the future direction of this country and what kind of country we want to live in.
0: Well, I do believe, and we'll talk with Sam just a moment or two from now, he said, let's pray, but let's also participate, so I think we need to do that. Well, let me focus on some other activities happening around the world that I want you to give us your analysis of, if you will, Kim. Number one, the United Nations chief has demanded respect for the Muslim world because of the protest erupting, especially there in France. France, dear to your heart, because of your home there in southern France, give us some details about this demand from the United Nations chief.
2: Well, so here's
1: what's going on, Jimmy. You had uh, Charlie Hebdo, this satiric magazine. It's a weekly magazine in Paris, which a number of years ago absolutely outraged the Muslim world by publishing... Uh, republishing uh, cartoons from the, the Danish cartoons of, of Muhammad and then publishing other cartoons which were uh, equally as derisive of Muhammad. And the result of that, when Muslims get angry, they kill people. So they went in and stormed at the headquarters of Charlie Hebdo and uh, murdered uh, the editor, the deputy editor, and a couple of other people. Well, now they're trying to do exactly the same thing. Charlie Hebdo is back. They're republishing uh, cartoons that poke fun at uh, Mojave, just as they poke fun at everybody. By the way, uh, right? Uh, they poke fun of the president of France, and uh, the president of France doesn't go storm the headquarters of Charlie Hebdo with the police so that arrest everybody. In fact, Macron actually came out and supported them and defended them. So, so what? What? What's going on is that the United Nations chief is trying to pick up this banner and say, "Oh my gosh." you've must curtail your freedom of speech when it relates to Muhammad and the religion of Islam, because Muslims don't have a sense of humor. No, it's much worse than that. Muslims not only don't have a sense of humor, Muslims will murder you if they don't approve of what you say. This is the abnegation of free speech. is the direct opposite of free speech. It's one of those fundamental rights we believe come from God. I would remind our listeners that in 2011, when Hillary Clinton was still Secretary of State, she signed on to a declaration from the United Nations that would impose Islamic Sharia law on America that would uh, forbid speech that was considered offensive to Islam or to Muhammad. And I believe that Joe Biden would do the same thing because he's cut from the same cloth. So This is really about free speech, it's about what values do we stand for, and clearly the United Nations does not stand with the Western world. They stand with uh, Muslim bans on free speech, which I believe are uh, antithetical to our God-given freedom.
0: Let me also give some evidence right now to your statement that uh, the Muslims will kill people when they are upset with them. There is a report coming out that the former prime minister of Malaysia says that the Muslims have a right to kill millions. I'm saying millions of French people. That's solid evidence of what you are talking about.
1: Yes, and let me remind our listeners, he is a moderate. <laughs> he is considered to be a moderate Muslim, not a jihadi, not a radical, a moderate Muslim. And he says it's okay to kill Millions of French people because they have uh, insulted Islam and Islam's so-called prophet.
0: What can you tell me about what's going on in Hezbollah? The Israeli Defense Force doing some military exercises in the northern section of the state of Israel, right there at the border with Lebanon. Hezbollah crossed the border. That's where they're headquartered. Now they're threatening Sudan because the Sudan wants to normalize ties with Israel. I mean, the whole world's upside down, isn't it? Well,
1: you know, Jimmy, you and I prefigured this last week in our talk when we were discussing how Iran was opposing these peace deals between Israel and Bahrain, the United Arab Emirates, and now Sudan. And Iran has said, you know, they will do whatever they can to block those deals or make them very painful. Well, now you see Iran's surrogate, Hezbollah, that's threatening to do the same thing. They're threatening to attack Israel. Nothing new. They attack Israel whenever they find it expedient, when the Iranian masters find it expedient. Uh, And that's what they're going to try to do now. I have a a pretty healthy regard for the, the Israel Defense Force, the IDF. I think that they can handle this. I think that they are well prepared for this. And I think that Hezbollah can basically go pound sand.
0: And there's not only a focus on the Sudan, the Islamic State, who is becoming more powerful than they have been in recent times. They are warning Saudi Arabia, after some of their allies normalized ties with Israel, they say Islamic State telling the leaders of Saudi Arabia don't get involved. Another warning to not have a relationship with Israel.
1: Well, uh, correct, but uh, again, uh, what is the Islamic State today? They don't have any territory. They're no longer a caliphate. There are groups of radicals in Libya, uh, groups of radicals, uh, terrorists in Syria. They've pretty much been driven out of Iraq, at least as an organized force. Uh, they certainly don't hold any territory. And they have a long-standing alliance with al-Qaeda. People tend to forget this. The Islamic State that we used to know in Iraq and Syria was an offshoot of al-Qaeda was supported by al-Qaeda. And it's not, to me, a mystery nor shocking that they should be threatening the Saudis because al-Qaeda has always threatened the Saudi monarchy. They know that the Saudis are next to sign a peace agreement with Israel if Donald Trump gets reelected, That will not happen, by the way, if Joe Biden becomes president of the United States. The Saudis would have to be out of their minds to negotiate anything protected by Joe Biden, because he really does not have the interests of uh, America or Israel at stake. He and the Democrat Party institutionally has said openly and repeatedly there can be no peace in the Middle East with the state of Israel unless you start by making peace between the Palestinians and Israel. And The Palestinians have not wanted to make peace. They continue to push for a U.N.-brokered peace agreement. In fact, just... This past week, Mahmoud Abbas, who seems to be the president for life of the Palestinian Authority, he had a four year term and he's just overstated and overstated and overstated. He just last week again called on the United Nations to start their international peace conference that would recognize the Palestinian Authority as a legitimate state to negotiate with Israel and obviously to impose very severe restrictions on Israel to take territory away from Israel, and not to guarantee peace. What the U.S. has done, Jared Kushner has done, the son-in-law of President Trump has done, is to actually negotiate agreements that guarantee Israel's security. That is the way that I think that we need to go, not this kind of U.N.-brokered peace which the palestinians certainly would like to put restrictions on the state of israel
0: that's the voice of ken Teverman. he's on the road actually he's in south carolina hilton head south carolina to visit his sweet mother, 103 years old. But he's taken a break for us to be able to talk about the issues we are discussing today. By the way, Ken, if you will, give our loving greetings to your mother. We'll look forward to another conversation with you next week.
1: Thanks so much, Jimmy. God
0: bless. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I've got David Dolan standing by. You need to understand what's going on in the Middle East. David will give us that update in a moment, right here on Prophecy Today.
3: How do you like your news?
0: Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung. Welcome back to Prophecy Today weekend. I'm here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Next weekend, November 8, 9, and 10, will be not very far away at the Riverview Baptist Church in Southside, Alabama. Well, as promised, we're going to David Dolan and David is the man who covers the Middle East force. He's done it for over 30 years for different networks. We're thrilled that he's a part of our broadcast team here on Prophecy Today. David, a report coming out of Israel. Israeli Defense Force involved in the largest military drill of the year. And they are simulating, actually, a war with Hezbollah. There are possible rumors of something even about to really take place. Can you give us the latest details?
2: Well, basically, Jimmy, I heard from some sources in Israel that the scale of the already very very large operation uh, called lethal arrow had been stepped up and benny gantz the defense minister confirmed that when he was visiting the troops in the north on monday that the drill was supposed to be focused on the north only and a possible hezbollah attack it was expanded to gaza and to other places outside of the country to the east of israel the Air Force was participating in plans, and it was meant to upgrade the offensive capability of the IDF. But I was told that the timing and the fact that the scope was increased at the last minute had to do with reports that Iran may be planning to order Hezbollah to attack Israel just before the U.S. election in an attempt to, well, really embarrass President uh, Trump, you know, talking about the recent peace treaties with well, now Sudan uh, online and, of course, uh, the UAE and Bahrain, and to counter that claim that peace is coming to the Middle East because here we are again at war. So uh, the IDF was not only engaged, I was told, and there were press reports confirming this fact in the offensive capability training and exercises, but was ready at a moment's notice to actually go uh, to war if there was any action from Uh, lebanon Uh, the beirut star newspaper reported that hezbollah was massing forces as well we know there was a lot of air activity during the week over south lebanon so it was an exercise but one right on the edge jimmy and just a reminder that israel faces great enemies but its capabilities are very very good and for the first time They're sending some female combat troops up to the northern border. So that's an interesting development, but a very tense situation there still today, even in the wake of this exercise.
0: David, you mentioned in that report, and really up to date, thank you so very much, but you mentioned Hezbollah and the Sudan. Looks like Hezbollah is threatening the Sudan over their ties with Israel in talks about normalization. Can you give us information?
2: Well, what they were fearing in Israel, and still are, Jimmy, I mean, this situation hasn't changed. We still have several days to the election. But an attack upon Israel that would also be an attack on these countries that uh, made peace with Israel. As you say, Hezbollah has been openly threatening, and Turkey's made the same noises against Sudan. And, of course, Iran has stated quite openly that it would attack Bahrain and the UAE in any coming Middle East clash. Uh, During the week, Jimmy, we had a ballistic missile attack from Yemen into uh, Saudi Arabia, aimed at a Saudi port city in the southwest. The Saudis successfully intercepted that ballistic missile. but. Another indication that Iran is stirring up the pot and uh, very, very tense days all around the world. Of course, coronavirus still going on and all of that. But with the U.S. election being so important, and of course, with the Iranians hating Donald Trump, uh, they and their allies uh, could still cause some more trouble.
0: You know, we talk about what's going on in Israel from the exterior aspect. In other words, outside enemies attacking the Jewish state. But within the state of Israel, the Palestinian authority led by Mahmoud Abbas is calling for the United Nations to hold international peace conference in the near future. Do you think that is a possibility or is that just talk?
2: Well, I think it may depend on the U.S. elections. If um, Donald Trump is defeated and Joe Biden comes in, he's already made clear that His approach to Middle East peace would go back to the similar ones that the Obama administration had that he was a part of, and that included a lot more U.N. activity, a lot more internationalism, and that sort of thing. So I think maybe Abbas has that in mind, but uh, I think everyone's going to wait and see what happens in the immediate future and then that sort of talk can uh, possibly produce something. I wouldn't hold my breath
0: for it. You know, we often talk about preparations to build that next temple on the Temple Mount in the city of Jerusalem. Everything is prepared for that to happen with the Sanhedrin, those 70 wise Jewish scholars in place to administer that activity. It's very interesting, and you were speaking of the election of Donald Trump and or Joe Biden. The Sanhedrin has asked officially for God to re-elect Donald Trump. Very interesting development there among those who are interested in building the next temple in Jerusalem.
2: And, Jimmy, a stand that very much reflects the Israeli public's view. Opinion surveys show 60% at least of Israelis would like to see Trump reelected. That's almost the opposite of the United States, where some 70% of U.S. Jews say they'll vote for Biden. However, Orthodox Jews and they are a significant part of New York's uh, voting population and a couple other places, they are about 60% for Trump. So, again, the more conservative, the more religious a person is, the more they seem to be likely to vote for Donald Trump. And the Sanhedrin, of course, is making that call, not based on Israeli public opinion, but what they believe is best for Israel in light of their belief in God.
0: Well, of course, he has been so beneficial to those who want to, number one, recognize Jerusalem as the political capital of the Jewish state of Israel, and also recognize the Temple Mount as key. And having moved the embassy from Tel Aviv in to Jerusalem, it's a key component of what the Orthodox community, and in particular the Sanhedrin, would like to see replicated in the upcoming presidential election. David, talk to me, if you will, about politics in Israel. The U.S. elections are going to result in somewhat of a shakeup, are they not, in Israeli politics?
2: Well, again, it really depends on the results. We have, again, strong uh, support for President Trump in Israel. Not that most Israelis are voting, but I always point out there's a couple hundred thousand American voters that live in Israel. In fact, it's one of the largest expat communities in any country on earth, and it's a pretty small country. So it does make a difference in that way. But Yes, I mean, certainly the relations with the White House, Israel's closest ally, that's always at the top and center of Israeli politics. It was rocky under Obama. It was good under Trump. If Biden comes back, we'll see. But it looks like the Democratic Party is moving away from Israel more and more, and Kamala Harris has said some things that are questionable, etc. So uh, we'll see what happens, but it certainly will have an influence.
0: Let me ask you about a very interesting development that took place this week as it relates to relations between the United States and Israel. In Jerusalem, if somebody who was born there but have parents that have citizenship in the United States— Now, officially, they can be recognized as citizens of Israel as well as citizens of the United States, and that will be even put on their passport. That's an interesting development, isn't it?
2: It is, Jimmy, and I remember this from many, many years ago when one of my closest friends, a couple, had a son. He was an American but born in Israel. And again, yes, his passport just said he was born in Jerusalem with no country. The only place on earth where a U.S. passport did not list the country that the person was born in, uh, along with the city. So it was silly and ridiculous, but just reflected that no man's land that Jerusalem had landed in, as it were. And uh, the State Department, uh, again taking uh, cues from the president, is changing that, and now it will say Israel. So that's another recognition on an official U.S. passport that you might hold that Jerusalem is part of Israel. Just a fact, ma'am, but one that wasn't recognized over the years.
0: It's always exciting to me to recognize political leaders making political decisions that set prophecy in place. That's Revelation chapter 17 and verse 17. But uh, whether it's war or a political change in Israel and or the United States, whatever, God's still in control, is he not, David?
2: Well, I hope so, Jimmy. (laughs) We certainly believe so, and I've seen so much evidence of that over the years in Israel. 25 years ago this coming week, Yitzhak Rabin was assassinated. I was covering that for CBS. We've seen a lot of trouble, several wars I was in the middle of, and more will come. The Bible tells us that, but God is in control. He has it all in his hands. It's part of his plan. It will unfold according to the way he wants it
0: to ultimately. And we can rest assured in that in these very, very turbulent times. And that's the reason that we bring David Dolan to our broadcast table on a weekly basis in order for him to give us his Middle East news update. David, thank you for doing that today. Appreciate it. We'll talk again next week.
2: Glad to do it, Jimmy. God bless
0: we're going to take a break when we come back we'll focus on another region of the world that is key to the prophetic scenario that is found in god's word john Rood will have his european union update that's all ahead right here on prophecy today
3: have you always wanted to visit the land of israel imagine what it would be like to walk in the footsteps of jesus With Joshua Travel, you can visit Israel past, present, and prophetic. The Bible will come alive as you see places like the shepherd's field where our Lord was born, Caesarea Philippi, Cana of Galilee. Capernaum, the Garden of Gethsemane, and the Garden Tomb. You'll even experience an exciting boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. You'll visit each site with Bible in hand as we take the time to not just visit the sites, but to help you understand their importance to our biblical heritage and to our prophetic future. We will place special emphasis on the eternal city of Jerusalem, the most important city in the world, and the place from where Jesus will rule and reign one day. Call Joshua Travel today at 423-821-3635 to find out more about this trip of a lifetime, or you can visit us online at joshuatravel.com.
0: Welcome back to Prophecy Today. Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central. We're here for a couple of days, and then we head out to Alabama. Going to be November 8, 9, and 10, Riverview Baptist Church, Southside, Alabama, Pastor Wagner, Roger Wagner, wants you to come and join us as we study the prophetic Word of God. I'll keep reminding you, give you more information on next Saturday's program. Well, we're going to now go to John Rood. I mentioned another region of the world that's key to our understanding of the prophetic scenario that is found in God's Word, and that area would be the European Union John is giving us the report in a moment. European Union, in my opinion, I believe John's as well, is the infrastructure for the revived Roman Empire. Would that be the case as far as you're concerned, John?
4: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We can see from Bible prophecy the alignment and the progression of the world empires, and it sets the stage just perfectly, actually, in many, many ways, not only geographically but politically.
0: That is key, and that's why we have you give us the political information going on in the European Union, as it does indeed set the prophetic scenario to be fulfilled. A lot of activities focused on France this week, John. The president of France, Macron, has really been outspoken about the Islamic activities going on in his nation, and some of the things he has said has brought Formal enemies of each other together. I'm talking about Iran and Saudi Arabia. They're together now, condemning the French leader. What can you tell us about this?
4: Well, you know, it, it appears that this entire scenario not only has it repeated from five years ago, but it appears that this is more or less an extension of the conflicts that we've seen between France and Turkey in the recent months. So. Uh, President Macron has come out with very strong support of the secular laws, coming to the point of saying that the depicting of uh, Mohammed would be under-protected uh, freedom of speech. Of course, uh, Muslims would find this highly offensive. And this was the event that actually kicked off five years ago uh, many terrorist attacks in France. And so Turkey is certainly taking advantage of the, of the situation And it really is an outright uh, provocation. The publication in France that has published these cartoons, which is forbidden uh, in Islam to have a depiction of Muhammad, knows exactly what would happen. And uh, incidentally, this publication publishes highly controversial things, and also Christians would find the publication very, very offensive. But, of course, the issue here are terrorist attacks in re- in retaliation
0: Yes and it's really cranking up the Islamic world to go after what's happening there in France. For example the former Prime Minister of Malaysia making the statement that Muslims have a right to kill millions I said millions of the French people. boy that's pretty high a threat, is it not?
4: Well, uh, the former uh, prime minister of Malaysia, I thought maybe he was a voice from the past, but he chimed in on the situation here, and people do take uh, situations to their own advantage. Uh, He's been known for radical comments. Uh, You could probably have quite a list of inflammatory comments that he's made in the past, but he's actually called out and saying that killing millions of French people would be justified in this situation. Malaysia is is very anti-Israel, and you cannot enter Malaysia. Well, as far as I remember, I don't believe it's been changed. Uh, You cannot enter Malaysia with an Israeli stamp in your passport. So uh, here's another instance where someone probably is taking advantage to uh, project themselves as a voice for all of Islam. But absolutely radical, absolutely regrettable statement, just unbelievable.
0: You know, I even understand that the United Nations chief, he has made a demand that the world must respect the Muslim world. Uh, That only is helping me to understand how the Islamic world is going to play a key role in the end times. The United Nations demanding, I can't believe that, demanding that we respect the Islamic world and what their beliefs are, their eschatology, their threat to the rest of the world that's a pretty outstanding statement, isn't it?
4: Yes, not only the United Nations, which is very expansive, but the European Union as well has incorporated Muslim demands in many of their of their issues and what's happening now, of course, is a highly sensitive issue with the murders in Nice. I lived in nice for for one year and know the location quite well, and what's surprising then is you know, the exact same idea with the cartoons that were published five years ago. It, you know, culminated with these attacks in Nice, where uh, dozens of people were mowed down by a Islamic terrorist uh, in a truck on Bastille Day. So I understand that the United Nations has a concern, but the forcefulness of it, it seems to continue, and uh, everyone seems to be playing their cards here. Uh, France should have known that this type of retaliation would occur. And uh, Turkey will take advantage, even with the U.S. elections now. There will be a sort of lull on the United States' response. Many nations are at work here between and for and against each other.
0: And when I take a look at the book, we'll talk about both of these particular elements of the activities of the prophetic future the European Union, revived Roman Empire, and the Islamic alignment of nations against the Jewish state. John, excellent report. Thank you. We needed to have this information. Appreciate it, buddy. We'll have another conversation next week. Uh, Thank you, as always, for having me. Well, right now I'm going to bring to a broadcast table that, number one, I share with him on a biweekly basis on his national program, and he shares with us as often as I can get him. I'm talking about Sam Rohr, and I should say the Honorable Sam Rohr. He served in the Pennsylvania Senate for a number of years He's now the president of the American Pastors Network. He's also the host of Stand in the Gap Today radio and television. And this last Tuesday, I was a part of a group of men around the United States who would spend about two minutes in prayer throughout the hour of Stand in the Gap. It was the last of 52 Tuesdays this last year, that Sam had put together an operation where people would pray for the upcoming elections. Sam, give us a report. Do you feel it was a successful campaign for those 52 weeks and for your last day this last Tuesday?
5: Jimmy, it absolutely was. I thank you for being a part of that. And, uh, and 16 other pastors and guests on our program prayed during that program. And, you know, I have heard from so many people. Matter of fact, my own doctor, he said that he and his wife listened to that program. They commented on how much of an impact it made on their lives. So, Jimmy, it did impact a lot of lives, and a lot of people said, you know, we've got to do that again. There's just nothing like having many men of God lift up their hands and their hearts to God and pray to a holy God in heaven and particularly in these days in which we are right now. So, yes, thank you for an opportunity to share that, and thank you for being a part of it.
0: Well, you're certainly welcome, and I thank you for putting it all together and leading us as a nation in prayer for this very important upcoming election. Now, I talked about the fact we want to look at prayer and participation as it relates to the electoral process. So if you're going to be praying, you must participate and go out and vote. Is that not the next step after prayer?
5: Well, you know, Jimmy, it it is. It, It is. And I think, boy, we could spend a lot of time on this, but I think one of the things missing in American Christendom for a long time is that we have not been teaching our people how it is that God has established the authority structures of the individual and the family and the church and civil government and how that all fits within God's plan, because when we know how God has ordered authority, as it talks about in Romans 13, One and two in particular, uh, when we understand that, then we begin to understand even more importantly why it's so important for God's people to pray for those who are in positions of authority. Why? So that we can lead a quiet and peaceable life. Well, the fact of that is we have a duty to pray so that we can live and raise our families as God intended. Well, all of these things work together, and in our nation, Um, We have an unusual uh, ability and freedom that did not come accidentally. It came back because we had founders and founding pastors who preached God's authority structure and how all of these authorities are accountable to God and how they all, when they work together according to God's design, we have freedom, we have prosperity, we can preach the gospel freely, we can worship, all these things work together according to God's plan. And within that context, Jimmy, is when the logical next step is, well then I as a citizen of the heavenly kingdom but living in an earthly kingdom, uh, then what do, do I have other duties in addition to praying for those who are in positions of authority? The answer is yes, and that becomes a part of our citizens' duty. And that's what walks us then through then, yes, praying for those in authority, perhaps even considering that we ourselves ought to run and be. Uh, a part of someone in authority uh, in government. But then certainly the most basic is what you just talked about, is voting, and voting biblically, voting for candidates who look most like what God would have them do. It's when we do that that God blesses the nation. When we fail in any of those areas, Jimmy, then, then we have trouble as a nation, and I think we have trouble as a nation now because a lot of Christians did not put, or did know that, haven't done it, haven't participated. We know almost 25% don't vote at all. Uh, all these things work together, and it all comes back to if we do what the Bible says, things work out well. And if we don't do what God says in his words, then things don't work out well. It's about that simple.
0: Yes, it is. Very simple when you stop to think about it. Sam, I'm sure that you've heard this statement as well. Well, I don't like either candidate. I don't like this one for this reason, that one for that reason. So, therefore, why should I go out and vote? And they say, well, I guess, okay, I'll vote for the lesser of two evils. But whether it's the lesser of two evils or not, it's important that everybody consider their vote and that responsibility, isn't it?
5: Well, absolutely, it is, and I don't. I mean, I've I've thought long and hard about that voting for for lesser of two evils. I will say that if my only two choices uh, was uh, Adolf Hitler and um, and, um, and 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 Stalin, <laughs> I would not vote for either one because they both are truly evil in how they view God and how they view the Word of God and how they view Jesus Christ and how they view free, but. We haven't been faced with that. I don't know that I've been faced with that scenario, frankly. And in this presidential election, yeah, we have personalities that are strikingly different, but we do probably for the first time, I would say, in this country, have two distinct worldviews that are totally different. And to that extent, I'm not voting just for a personality. I'm voting for a direction, a, a world view direction. So I can't vote for the Democrat Party who embraces everything Marxist. I cannot vote for a Joe Biden and those who work with him as an example. Why? Because they have told me what they believe about the one world coming government. They have told me what they believe about no value of life. This is what we must vote for. And to that extent, this year is not a year of voting for a lesser of two evils. This is one where we vote for a person that leads us at least towards the God of heaven and the sacredness of life, and understanding uh, God's view of a, a worldview. So, yeah, I mean, I, I get really contested with folks who say, well, I don't think I can vote this year because I don't like either one of them. Far more at stake than that.
0: Yeah, and I love the statement I heard the other day. I'm not voting necessarily for the personality, but for the platform that that personality represents. Well, other people are also saying, Sam, that this may well be the most important election that we've ever had in the history of the United States. Would you go to that extreme? Do you believe this election is indeed that important?
5: Uh, Jimmy, I hesitated to have said that a year ago or so, but I do not hesitate to say that now. And the reason for that is this, what's at stake now because of what we believe and know, the one side, the Democrat Party side, I'll say that name because they're out there with it, what they believe about the one world government and globalism, what they believe about the embracing of, of a completely opposite view of truth and value of life, these things have never been more obvious than now. So, yes, I would say, yes, this is truly, I believe, the most important election facing this nation. We will not be the same. We've already changed this year. We're not going to go back to where we were before pre-COVID. And what hangs on this election, who comes out of this, I think is going to make all the difference between whether we remain a free republic or whether we step very quickly into the arms of persecution led by government itself. How do I know that? Because that's basically what they're already saying and doing.
0: Sam, you mentioned just a bit earlier Romans chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. So we do know, according to God's word, that he is the one in charge. Those who move into leadership roles in any nation of the world are ordained by him. So that's a precious promise. Now, as we conclude our conversation, and you've already given the example to the entire nation to be in prayer for those in higher authority, would you just pray for each of us and have a a prayer that will lift up the importance of this particular vote this year and the people and what needs to be done and pray for the leadership on this upcoming presidential election for us.
5: Absolutely. Our dear Heavenly Father, we hold up our hands and our hearts to you right now as we pray to you, the God of heaven, the one who looks down and sees all that happens on this earth, the God who raises up and puts down those in positions of authority, the God of heaven before whom all, whether they are in office or us as citizens, will give an account one day. Lord, you have given us the, the freedom, the freedom to choose those who will represent us in positions of civil authority. Lord, I pray particularly that your people, those who call upon the name of Jesus, those who call of nine and say they fear who you are, that Lord, They would not sit idle to the side, that they would vote, and that, Lord, they would vote in a way that would be reflective of biblical principles, aligning themselves as closely as possible with those who uphold your standards. And, Lord, you've placed this nation, we are in perilous days. We know that we're getting close to the return of Christ. Lord, we can see it. We can see the convergence of events. And uh, this nation, Plays a role in that, And Lord. I believe, really, in my heart, I believe that the future of this nation will not depend as much on the vote as tallied next week or the or the days ahead. It's going to be determined in the court of heaven by the attitude and the actions and the obedience of those who call upon Your name, Lord. We put it before You. May Your will be done in our lives and in the future of this nation, as you've raised it up, Lord, we commit it to you. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. And, Sam, thank you so very much for the capability of being able to have a conversation, in fact, and then for the prayer that you've just offered up as well. Appreciate it. We'll see you on the radio in a couple of weeks. Thank you so much, my good friend.
5: Yep. See you later.
0: Well, right now, one of the favorite times that I have and being able to talk with our broadcast partners is when I bring my namesake, Dr. Don DeYoung, to the broadcast table. Don is an astronomer, a scientist, and has written a book on astronomy. It's a great book. You can get it here at prophecytoday.com in the bookstore, A 100 Questions on Astronomy Answered from the Word of God. Don, great to have you here I know it's Halloween, and I'm going to talk about another event happening today. That's called a blue moon, but I'm glad that you're on board to chat with us today.
6: Thank you, Jimmy. Glad to be here.
0: I'm going to talk about, of course, the blue moon, but astronomy, and then I want to bring up astrology and have you define these two, astronomy and astrology. First of all, we're talking about a blue moon. It's on Halloween this year. But I guess my number one question has to be, what is a blue moon? We're not necessarily talking about the color of the moon, like when we mention a blood moon. But what is a blue moon, Don?
6: Yes, Jimmy, it is not the color. And it's a bit uncertain of just how that name originated. But uh, what we uh, define a blue moon is uh, when you have two full moons occurring in the same month. So then you'll have one at the end of the month, and uh, we call it a blue moon. It's just something that's um, quite unusual. The moon goes through its full moon phase every uh, 29 or 30 days. And so, again, if you can get a full moon at the start of the month, then once every two or three years you get one at the end of the month also, once in a blue moon. <laughs>
0: What's in a blue moon? You said once every two years, two to three years, these things happen. But I understand a Halloween blue moon only occurs about every 19 years, the last one back in, I do believe, 2001. Am I correct?
6: Well, yes, that is a bit unusual to have one on the 31st on Halloween itself. Looking ahead, we'll have another blue moon in the August of 2023. Then there's another one in 26, and then in 28. So again, every two or three years, you get that kind of matchup.
0: Let me talk about the moon just for a moment. Over in the book of Genesis, chapter 1 and verse 16, when Jesus Christ is creating all things that are on and around this world today. He mentioned uh, the lights in the sky. He talks about the greater light in the daytime, which is the sun, the lesser light at nighttime. Is there any reason why one is greater and one is lesser as it relates to the moon and the sun?
6: Well, it is interesting, Jimmy, that uh, the moon and the sun appear to have the same size when we uh, when we look at them. But of course, the moon is uh, about four hundred times smaller than the sun but also 400 times closer. So the apparent size is the same. But the bottom line is the sun is a, quite an energy machine doing nuclear fusion, spraying its energy out across the solar system. The moon does not have an energy source. It's, it's a reflector of the sun. So the moon is the lesser light that rules the night. And it is a good reflector. When there's a full moon, like on uh, the 31st, you've got uh, almost enough light to to make a shadow. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that is absolutely correct. Very interesting. And I hope uh, that this evening when I go out to walk that blue moon is going to be able to be seen. I hope it's not cloudy here where we are. Well, let's now get to the differences between astronomy and astrology. There are differences, are they not, between these two different approaches of looking into the heavens?
6: Well, these two words, astronomy and astrology, are often confused, and yet they're very different areas. Astronomy is a credible study of creation, the root of that word astronomy would be a study of the stars, their size, their motion, their distance. It's all called astrophysics, and it's a wonderful uh, aspect of creation to study. The other word astrology, that involves the belief that there's an influence of the stars, that somehow they control our, um, our, our destiny. And then you get into horoscopes and the zodiac and all those kind of details and, uh, that is not an area to, uh, join in with at all. Maybe a way to keep them straight. Astrology has the word L in it as if there could be lucky stars. Of course, we don't believe in luck either. But it's, uh, it's that whole world of, um, somehow putting more attention to the stars as far as they're controlling us. Of course, scripture tells us to stay away from, uh, bowing down to the stars or uh, counting on them for, uh, information.
0: I do know many people who have been very interested in astrology, not necessarily from a satanic point of view, but they do believe that there's a message that can be conveyed from God to them through astrology. Now, that would be totally wrong, I understand, according to the Bible. But there are other reasons God does not want satanic influence in the heavenlies, trying to use it as a way of communications, does he?
6: Well, that's very true. Now, Jimmy, it is interesting um, that the constellations, the stars, they do have figures. There are shapes that have been well known through history. There's a lion, sometimes uh, connected with the Lion of Judah. There's a a Virgo, the Virgin, which has been connected with the first Christmas. And so some have pointed out that there could well be a a sign of, of the gospel in the stars. And uh, I don't know. That might have had some value in the early history. Of course, today we have God's Word. we got uh, a sure story, so we don't need the stars anymore. But but back in the early days, that message in the sky might have been of use to um, Old Testament patriarchs. We just don't know.
0: And as you, a scientist and astronomer, study the stars, study the heavens, and you excite some of us to be amateur astronomers. I've got really excited about it. I can look up into the heavenlies and I see the glory of the Lord, Psalm 19. So that excites me, and that's a real study. We can study astronomy, can't we?
6: Well, we certainly can. And the fact is, Jimmy, uh, 99 plus percent of this physical universe is over our heads, We have uh, many treasures on the Earth, but the sky as well goes on and on. And just to see the great variety, the endless distances and galaxies and details, it's a a great hobby to keep looking up.
0: Oh, it certainly is. And I just got excited when you said 99% plus of what is around us is above us in the heavens man that's a great statement let me just ask one concluding question if you will don can you remember or recall any references to astrology as it relates to the last days that we could mention to those who are listening to us
6: well we do know that in the uh, last days the heavens will change it talks about the sun increasing in its heat it talks about the stars falling Just a good reminder, Jimmy, that the the stars are not in their own power to control us, but God controls the stars and their motions, and uh, He can bring about their change and their culmination when He makes a new heavens and new earth in His time.
0: In His time. I think you've said that statement to me before. I always love it. In His time. And in His plan in the heavens to accomplish His will as we look up and see His glory. But then use the heavens in the end times as well. We can study astronomy should stay away from astrology. Hey, Don, thank you so very much. Appreciate the conversations. Always a joy to be able to talk with you. Thank you so much. We'll talk again, I hope, real soon. Thank you, Jimmy. We're going to take a quick break when we come back. I'll be going to my last of partners today, David James. We're going to focus on the subject of Halloween. Now, we're talking about a blue moon on Halloween. David James will get into whether it's good or bad to participate in this holiday, Halloween. It's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central. We'll be headed out going over to Alabama for meetings upcoming. That will be not this weekend, but next weekend, November 8, 9, and 10. We'll be at Riverview Baptist in Southside. That's the city, Southside, Alabama. Pastor Roger Wagner inviting all of you to join us as we study the prophetic Word of God. What a time to be able to do that. Hope to be able to see you then. Let me give you the poll question, if you will, before we go to David James. We're going to be talking to him about Halloween. It's an appropriate discussion today. But here's the poll question. It's on my homepage. Deuteronomy 18, verses 10 to 12, sounds like activities that have a connection to Halloween. Astrology, witchcraft, and wizards these are activities which the Lord says is an abomination. The question, should Christians stay away from such activities in these the last days? That's my poll question. Go to my website to answer the question, prophecytoday.com. We now bring to these microphones David James. David and I each week have a conversation focusing on on an issue that really needs to have a biblical perspective given to each of us so that we can understand God's Word in light of our daily walk with Him. We're so glad to have David come Mike's side with us. His research and his partnership here on the broadcast is key. We love having this conversation. It helps the body, and I think it's going to be a very interesting conversation today. We're going to look at how should Christians deal with Halloween, since today is Halloween a very appropriate topic. David, each year we have a discussion related to the topic of Halloween, because Christians seem to be divided as actually how to deal with this particular holiday. Some say it's okay, some are strongly against it, while others try to make something positive out of turning attention to Christ on this holiday. Talk to us about that.
4: Well, Jimmy, for a holiday that tends to come and go without a lot of fanfare, Halloween sure does provoke a lot of strong emotions. Some see it, as you said, as simply good, clean fun for kids with carved pumpkins and corn mazes and running through haunted houses or going on bumpy hay rides and bobbing for apples and drinking fresh cider. And of course, there's the dressing up as a favorite cartoon character or superhero, or maybe. On- On the more negative side, like witches and goblins and ghosts and then running around the neighborhood hoping to cash in on a trove of candy. Uh, But others see Halloween as something much more sinister and evil with many things happening under the cover of darkness with fear playing a big role in this and death playing a major role. And it's seen as tied to ancient pagan festivals with occultic origins or even allegiance given to demons and witches and even Satan himself. So for Christians, there tend to be three basic approaches when it comes to dealing with Halloween. Uh, The first is strictly avoiding anything that might have any appearance of evil whatsoever, and so they have nothing to do with Halloween at all. Others see much of the evil imagery as simply superstitious and harmless fun, and so they fully participate in good conscience. And then a third group, this third group is more cautious, and they do see the occult. Connections and pagan history of Halloween, and so don't directly join the Halloween activities. But they also see it as an opportunity to reach young people with the truth through alternatives such as trunk or treat programs in church parking lots where they give out both candy and gospel tracts, and the church kids generally avoid dressing up in costumes that are overtly evil.
0: Well, and that would be exactly stated, three different approaches from the Christian community as it relates to this holiday, Halloween. You know, it seems to me, David, a lot bigger holiday in the United States than when you and I were kids. In fact, many take it uh, fairly seriously, and uh, it has turned into big business for a lot of people, hasn't it?
4: It has. Halloween has been a major holiday in the United States for decades, Jimmy, and it certainly has grown a lot since you and I were kids trick-or-treating. Uh, one source reported that the spending for each individual in 2019 was around 86000 dollars a person, while in 2020, even with COVID-19, this is expected to go up by some 12 percent. According to the National Federation of Retailers, Americans spent $8.8 billion on Halloween in 2019, and even with the 2020 pandemic restrictions this year, they expect 148 million Americans to participate and celebrate Halloween in some way, and those who Do spend on average about 86 dollars on costumes and candy and decorations and even for those who don't celebrate themselves 62 percent do still plan to give out candy and of course candy isn't just for kids most bars and fraternities and sororities have halloween themed nights and as top adult costumes continue to be witches and vampires and ghosts and zombies it has this connection with the occult the demonic and death and this is is what causes many Christians to have problems with the holiday. And then there are the haunted houses where people uh, pay to get scared out of their wits and the depictions of deranged people with witches and ghosts and demons and zombies and other monsters with large doses of blood and gore related to torture and death, uh, with the best ones being able to bring the worst horror movies to life through their techno-wizardry.
0: You know, David, let me make sure that everybody listening understands we're not here to defend Halloween, but in reality, isn't it true that it was originally connected to a Christian holiday?
4: Well, the word you just used, holiday, uh, we often forget that it comes from the two words holy day. So, for example, there are holidays defined by the federal government, like Labor Day and Independence Day, but those aren't holy days. Those are secular days of remembrance. Those are secular holidays. On the other hand, Christmas is a holy day that was defined by the Roman Catholic Church, a time that was focused on the sacrifice of the Mass of Christ, and in much of Europe, this is marked by two holy days or holidays. And what we call Halloween is also connected with two holy days on the Roman calendar of the Catholic Church. The word holy comes from the Greek word hagios, which means to be set apart for God's use. And when something is set apart for God, it is also said to be sanctified. And so when we get together the English word sanctified, which is the word for saint, it's in that way that the word saint and the word holy are connected. So, this Sunday, November 1st, is the Feast of All Saints on the Roman Catholic Feast calendar. All Saints Day or All Hallows Day is celebrated in honor of All Saints, whether known or unknown. All Saints' Day is the second day uh, and is when all the faithful dead are remembered. So the day before All Saints' Day is the eve of All Hallows' Eve, which got shortened to Hallows' Even, and then even more shortly into Halloween. So it directly comes from the Roman Catholic Feast calendar.
0: Well, then what you've just said begs the question, how did a Christian holiday end up having such negative and evil connotations such that it is seen by some to be completely avoided or even they need to take a stand against it?
4: Well, this goes long back before Christianity, when the Celts began to move into Western Europe around 1000 B.C. The Celtic New Year, November 1st, marked the transition from harvest time into winter, and winter often brought death. And on that night, it was believed that the souls of the dead could move more easily between death and life from where they were to the, the land of the living and to cause problems for the living. And so the Celts wore costumes of animal heads and skins and built large bonfires to burn crops and ward off evil spirits and to offer animal sacrifices to their deities as part of Druid worship's practices. And the ancient Romans also had festivals for the dead, so as they came to rule the Celtics, the festivals tended to merge. And when Christianity became the only legal religion of the Roman Empire in the 4th century, pagans began flooding into the Church, and the Catholic Church tried to come up with Christian alternatives to these pagan festivals and practices. So when Catholicism began taking root in Celtic areas, the Celtic New Year Eve practices and All Saints Day eventually and naturally merged and it's natural because of the focus on death and the afterlife then in the 600s Pope Gregory the expanded the festival to include martyrs and in the celebration of all saints as and as Roman Catholicism continued to spread throughout the uh, Europe uh, there was little genuine biblical teaching or guidance and so the convergence of the traditions of the church and pagan super superstitions, and its occultic practices became inevitable, and this has continued
0: throughout the world. You know, David, from my experience, and I'm sure that yours is the same, there are good people on both sides of this issue. Do you have any suggestions that you think may help our people think through this particular issue?
4: Well, there was a pastor of a Bible church in Virginia who wrote an article with the title, Four Reasons My Family Trick or Treats, and he started off by saying, tomorrow night my children will be knocking on neighbor's doors and looking for candy. He went on to say, well, Halloween obviously started as a Catholic holiday. It has, at least in the United States, lost that connection. Nobody I know associates going door-to-door with Catholic celebration. He doesn't see anything occultic between Halloween and and argued that when kids came to the door in costumes, no one is making demonic connections. He also sees it as a way to connect with people in his neighborhood for purposes of ministry. And finally, he said, I want my children to love and remember October 31st as Reformation Day. On the other hand, a pastor has written, God is life, but Halloween focuses on death. Should I celebrate a holiday where people decorate their front yards with tombstones? The scripture tells us put away deeds of darkness so that light has nothing in common with darkness. Is celebrating a dark holiday something a child of the light should be doing? He says witchcraft is clearly detestable to the Lord. Shouldn't something that glorifies witchcraft be detestable to me as well? And I tend to personally lean toward that second view, although I'm careful about condemning those who come to different conclusions.
0: Yeah, two different conclusions there by two different pastors. Well, that one article that you mentioned referred to Reformation Day, David. How is that connected to Halloween? And in fact, Is it not something that we could focus on instead of Halloween?
4: I think it is. Uh, Reformation Day is almost never heard of here in the United States. When we were missionaries in Hungary for 16 years, it was definitely celebrated there in the churches because it was on October thirty first, 1517, that Martin Luther, a Roman Catholic monk, nailed 95 statements on the door of the Wittenberg Castle protesting corruption in the Church, and he came to believe that God justifies sinners by grace through faith alone. So the Reformation really got kicked off with that, and I think it would be a tremendous victory for believers here in the United States to simply turn our backs on Halloweens and rekindle an interest in Reformation Day when we came out from under the bondage of the Roman Catholic Church and turned to salvation by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone.
0: You know, David, I think that's a great suggestion. Take a negative, make it into a positive. I'd love that approach to each and every issue that we confront when we have a conversation together here on Prophecy Today. Thank you for the research, David. Appreciate it so very much. And Indeed, we may have some comments from some of our listeners because of both sides of this issue. Well, David, thank you. Uh, we're going to have to take a break here, but uh, you prepare for another issue. We're going to have it next week right here. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you then. I'll try to be ready. Thank you, sir. As we said, I'm going to take a break. We're going to open up the Bible, take all the reports from our broadcast partners, and indeed, take a look at the book. It's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Prophecy Today I want to remind you that I do have a website. It's prophecytoday.com. This is a full-service website. It will assist you in your study of Bible prophecy. For example, I have a prophecy bookstore with a number of materials that will help you as you study through the prophetic passages of God's Word. I have a number of books, DVD documentaries, and five-hour audio series on the subject of Bible prophecy. I have a prophecy Q&A section, and then I list the top 10 news stories on a daily basis. These are news stories that seemingly are setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled, and I will give you a prophetic perspective on those news stories. That website that you should bookmark is prophecytoday.com. It's time right now here on Prophecy Today for us to take a look at the book. We had our six broadcast partners come to my broadcast table with outstanding reports. They gave us the details behind the current events in our world today. Remember, we look at current events in light of biblical prophecy. The information that we received from our broadcast partners help each and every week for us to be able to see the urgency of the moment because these reports reveal to us how close Bible prophecy is to being fulfilled. By the way, if you missed any of these reports, please go to my website, prophecytoday.com, then to PTRN, Prophecy Today Radio Network, there we have archived these reports so that you can listen to them at your convenience. That address again, prophecytoday.com, PTRN, Prophecy Today Radio Network. And do be sure to tell a friend and or a family member how they can get these reports. Right now, though, I want to take a moment and give you my prophetic perspective on these reports. Ken Timmerman, he is the man who covers geopolitical activities with us. We talked in the first of our conversation about how this upcoming presidential election may well be one of the most important elections in all of the history of of the United States. Now, having said that, and you may agree or disagree on that last statement, but you've got to remember that the Lord established human government. That's Genesis chapter 9 and verse 6. And the Lord has, down through these 4,500 years during this period of past history, has used human government to accomplish his will. And in fact, that is exactly what he is going to do in the future. Revelation seventeen seventeen says that the Lord will put into the hearts and minds of political leaders decisions to be made, political decisions that will set the prophetic scenario found in God's word in place so that God's will will indeed be accomplished by these political decisions made by political leaders. David Dolan, who is the man who gives us our Middle East news update, he brought to our attention the Israeli Defense Force in a very large military drill at Israel's northern border. These exercises are simulating what a possible war with Hezbollah would be like. You know, the conflict between Iran and Israel is real. When you look at Jeremiah chapter 49, Ezekiel chapter 38 and verse 5, you find out that Iran is a major player in the end times. And you must remember that Hezbollah is a surrogate for Iran located there in southern Lebanon. And Hezbollah is ready to attack the Jewish state. And that seems like it could happen in the near future because Iran may want to have Hezbollah attack Israel to embarrass President Trump. David's report always helps us to see how close we are to the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. John Root is the man who covers the European Union, another key region of the world, and he gave us information about two mortal enemies, Iran and Saudi Arabia, joining together in condemnation of France and the attacks on the Muslims in that country. Islam, by the way, is not mentioned in Bible prophecy, as you know. However, the Islamic nations are mentioned in Ezekiel 38, Psalm 83, Daniel chapter 11. God has a plan for these nations to form a coalition and attack the Jewish state. But he also has a plan that will come about, and that is the destruction of the Islamic states as well. That's Ezekiel chapter 39, verses 1 to 6. Had a great opportunity to talk with Sam Rohr. He's the president of the American Pastors Network and the voice of Stand in the Gap Today radio and television. We talked about pray for these upcoming elections and then participate in the elections as well. Sam exhorted each of us to pray for those who are in higher authority, and in fact, we did that to fulfill the exhortation of 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 to 4. But if we're going to pray for these national elections and the leadership, we must also participate. And remember, it's not a person or a personality you're voting for, but a party platform. Please pray and participate. Dr. Don DeYoung, an astronomer, helped us to understand about the blue moon. Once in a blue moon, we're able to discuss this issue with Don DeYoung. We also looked at the differences between astronomy and astrology. Astrology, a very dangerous satanic activity, and we exhort you to please stay away from it. And then David James and I had our weekly conversation, and we focused on an appropriate topic today Halloween. Deuteronomy chapter 18 gives us some guidelines as it relates to Halloween. For example, astrology, witchcraft, and wizards are a part of what the Lord exhorts us to stay away from there in Deuteronomy 18. But these guidelines help us to understand how the agenda for Halloween includes all of these three, astrology, witchcraft, and wizards. My exhortation to you is to look at these biblical guidelines to help you make the proper biblical decisions. I've got to say that all of the reports that we had from our broadcast partners today reveal how current events are actually setting the stage for the prophetic scenario that's found in God's Word to be fulfilled. That address again, prophecytoday.com, P-T-R-N, Prophecy Today Radio Network. And do be sure to tell a friend and or a family member how they can get these reports. The next event, by the way, is the rapture of the church. That's John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3, First Thessalonians 4:13 to18, 1 Corinthians 15 verses 51 to 53, and Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1. These prophecies of the rapture of the church will take place and could take place even today. And having said that, there's nothing left for me to say, except let's keep looking up